Hi, you've reached the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Please leave a message. Yes, indeed, Mario. This is President Michael D. Higgins here. I'm very looking forward to your interview today with the comedian Terry Alderton. And of course, as a Galway man myself, I'm looking forward to the Galway Comedy Festival. Uh, you don't know of anybody I could get in touch with, do you, about doing a, a gig or a spot? I have some comedy poetry here which might be of interest. L- let me know if you can. Very <laughs> up! This is bad shop! <laughs> Terry! Terry Alderson hasn't even, hasn't even started speaking yet! And I, <laughs> I'm already fucking in bits! <laughs> Good morning. Uh, Mario, it's Pat Kenny here at News Talk 106. Move the dial. I'm looking forward to your comic extrapolations today with Terry Alderton as a the veteran appreciator of comedy, setup, hook, punchline. I especially uh, appreciate this triumvirate of comic mechanics, designed, of course, to titillate the neural pathways, resulting in mini convulsions, which we understand as laughter. That's it. Goodbye. 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 What is he doing? Talking about tickets and £60,000. I know. These people sitting at the audience haven't got a clue what's going on at this point. No. (laughs) Some people are completely... Some people won't understand what the hell is going on at this point. You can't entertain all the people all the time. Only some of the people some of the time. That's what Mother said. Mother was right. Mother is always right. Yes. (laughs) So Blackpool, you see... So listen to me, if you're planning to make a trip to the Galway Comedy Festival around about October 20th to the 22nd, then you're in for a real treat. Well, I suppose, you know, now everybody's in for treats, really, because as we open up, you'll get to see some more live performances with with packed houses, etc. But what a lineup of comedians they have down there. But when you're choosing which comedian to go and see, I really do insist that you book tickets to see my guest on today's podcast. His name is Terry Alderton. Now, Terry's brand of comedy is definitely unique, and I mean unique in a really, really good way. He is perfect for this new live scenario, because when he comes out, he seems quite giddy, very vulnerable emotionally, and he puts you on a kind of an edge straight away, and you can hear the audience tittering when he comes out. And you realise that you as an audience are going to determine what he does next. Um, And it could be anything with Terry. He's unpredictable, um, he's a live wire, he's sometimes... He might even stop doing the gig entirely and just start doing something else. Um, He messes with time. He bends time. He messes with voices because he talks to himself on stage in a number of different alter egos. He turns his back on an audience, which they say as a comedian you should never do. But Terry does. Um, He's tall. He's very physical. He's completely bald. He has huge eyes, which he wears um, black eyeliner all around. And he jumps around. But he's really, really clever. And I find him compelling as a comedian. And I think you would too. What I didn't know, though, about Terry was that he was also really sound. Really nice to talk to. We had a terrific chat. I uh, did a gig and Mick McCarthy was sitting in the front row. I said, Mick McCarthy, say, how are you, Mick? And he just looked at me and went, fuck off. <laughs> That's what he said to me, fuck off. And you just go, oh, God, this is troublesome, isn't it? 
And then he took a seat, and I started doing him talking to Chris, and thick Chris was saying, you know, Nigel Benn, oh, cannot beat me. He goes, listen, I will beat you any time you want to fight me, and all this shit. And then, big round of applause. He gets up, and he comes over, and he cuddles me, and in my ear he goes, if you fucking do that again, I will murder you. I will break you. <laughs> I didn't have a, a face covering on, and, the, and a lady was looking at me. It was the only time it's ever happened. She was looking at me with a sort of a look of disgust of why didn't I have a face covering on. As she then ordered 60 Benson and Hedges. <laughs> <laughs> He's been blessed with this great big pendulum, but actually it's the bane of his life. And now what they've done is completely humiliated him in the dressing room. <laughs> I'll take that line from today, definitely, Terry. He's been blessed with this pendulum. That's a wonderful line, actually. <laughs> My dear son, you are definitely, you're so blessed with that pendulum you're of yours. So, you're so and I think you're really going to enjoy my conversation with Terry Alderton coming up in just a few minutes' time. But first, we need to pay a visit to some of my friends here on Planet Podcast. As you know, I'm a massive fan of other podcasters. And you're probably sick to death of hearing broadcasters this week talk about Pascal Donahue this and Pascal Donahue that and the budget. Uh, but podcasters have the freedom to go in a whole other direction on big topics like this. They can bring their own unique personalities and interpretations to this budget. And by God, they do. I mean, you should have heard what Blind Boy... Boat Club did about the budget this week. Patagonia. Chile. You know that long, long, giant sliver of a country? Like a giant piece of streaky bacon attached to South America, lads. On the beaches of Patagonia, killer whales commit murder of seal puppies. Sealicide. But the killer whales gamble with their own lives, do you see, lads? They come up onto the beach, risking beaching themselves and therefore dying, so that they can kill a seal puppy. And they murder all the puppies, except one puppy. They always leave one behind, so that the next season the seal population can propagate itself, enabling, you have it, more seals to be killed by the killer whales. It's like the budget. Pascal Donahue is the goal of a killer whale. Patagonian Pascal, chopping us up like puppies, but leaving just enough behind so that we can barely survive as a species in our BU studio seal huts. Speaking of budgets, you wouldn't buy us an old cup of coffee there, would you? Thanks, lads. And of course, two of my favourites, Vogue and Joanne. My therapist ghosted me. They even talked about the budget. Here, Joanne, yeah. you're a brain box. Do you what? understand the budget? Having a tits, Vogue. I tell you <laughs> what, though, those politicians, they haven't got a bollocks either. Yeah. I'd probably do a better job myself than those twat monkeys. Oh, my God, that'd be so funny if we did the budget, Joanne. Bottles of Pinot Grigio <laughs> down by 80%, for starters. I'd cut the price of fat frogs and espresso martinis totally. We need to live. Yeah. Make spanks tax deductible. That's the other thing. I spend a fortune on those fuckers. Especially the ones that suck your arse in. They're Drink really good. Drink wine and wearing our spanks. 
banks and we'd be fucking loaded, girl. But how, how, how could we afford it? I mean, you Who know. Who cares? We'd all be pissed as farts <laughs> with great arses. But we need <laughs> to raise money from somewhere else, like raising the prices or something else like that. Yeah, uh, I don't know, books or something? Cool. Make every book a thousand euros. Yeah. And entries to museums, a million quid ahead, for fuck's sake. Love it, cool. Command this budget to the house. <laughs> <laughs> And it wouldn't really be a proper budget, would it, without our most famous economist, David McWilliams. This podcast is powered by Acast. Ah, uh, David, it's your big day today, the budget. I don't think so, John, sorry. What? But this is this is the budget? Yeah. You're David McWilliams, this is basically your kind of lecture picnic. The budget is small beans, John. What? For the little people. I'm more of a global thinker these days, international. Take it easy. Where are you going? We've got a podcast. Davos, John. What? Where the real heavy hitters are. Joseph Stiglitz, Professor Paul Krugman, Konstantin Gurdiev. Oh, there he is now. Big dog. How are you? Mac Williams, private jet outside. Movierart.com. Coolio. Enjoy the little people, John. Yeah. See, I told you the budget coverage could get a lot more interesting than you thought it could. We bring you a brand new and exclusive comedy every week here on the Mario Rosenstock podcast. And thanks a million for listening. And thanks for getting in touch. Um, Our podcast is proudly supported by our friends at Curry's PC World. Your downloads and follows and ratings and reviews, along with our great relationship with Curry's, allows myself and Patrick to find the very best guests, create exclusive comedy sketches for loyal listeners like you, and package it all together every week for you to hopefully enjoy. And if you are enjoying what you hear, let me know. You can contact me in person, Rosenstock at gmail.com. I read them all. I'm on Twitter, at GiftGrubMario. I've just joined Instagram, would you believe? I'm an Insta bitch, Rosenstock official. Um, if you want to check me out there and thanks a million for all your emails you can also send me a voicemail if you want to or a voice note 087-268-5459 087-268-5459 that is the Mario Rosenstock podcast hotline if you ever want to say something in person down the line even if you want to play it on the podcast if it's good enough I might play it if it's an opinion or if it's a suggestion or whatever so it's time for Terry Alderton loads of laughs stories about Nigel Benn Ronnie Whelan Mick McCarthy and others and some very interesting personal stuff too about this very original and unique comic enjoy listen thanks a million for doing this uh, for starters and thanks for having me and it's great to have you and listen what an ideal time to have you because I guess over what 20 months now it's been since well in this country anyway since we've been able to you know see any live comedy and now you're going to come over with a bunch of other comedians and you're going to do the Vodafone Galway Comedy Festival from the 19th mm-hmm. to the 25th, 5th of October. And you're going to give us that thing that we've been messing, missing, the food that we've been missing, the drink that we've been missing, the elixir of life, the laughs, the, the tension, the visceral nature of the tension that we yes. want to sit in a crowd and walk in late and be harracked and barracked by somebody like you doing funny voices <laughs> behind your back as you turn your back on us. Um, and tell me, what's it like for you, the idea of coming over and doing this again? Well... Exactly what you, you know, echoing what you said, you know, being, being out of the lockdown and what have you, and that, that's just brilliant anyway, just to get back out straight off the bat. Um, and then to be able to then get on a, on a plane and go to another country and do comedy says to me that we are definitely back, you know. And uh, what a great place to start uh, for the first country to go to is Ireland, of course. And, and you know, you know my love of Galway anyway. Just the smell of that sea and the, the thought of those oysters and what have you. So I'm very, very excited just to be back in the game and also coming over to, to Galway to do the festival. 
Yeah. Have you been able to do gigs over in England? Because mm. we haven't really had gigs here. Um, you probably yeah, know yeah, the we, scene here, um, uh, uh, Terry. Yes. We're only, we're only fully opening up really on October 22nd. That's correct. So, and yes. and it, well, I, I felt that massively. I came over uh, last week and I felt that you were very much behind where we are. Um, I, I would dare say there's quite a lot of people here now in the UK that really don't care anymore. I mean, I, they've kind of done with it, you know, um, whether that's a dangerous thing to say, I don't know, but I can just feel people like you know. I was even in in a shop the other day, and I, I didn't I didn't have a, a face covering on, and a, and a lady was looking at me. It was the only time it's ever happened. She was looking at me with um, a sort of a look of disgust of why didn't I have a face covering on? As she then ordered sixty Benson and Hedges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, right, okay. You'll have 60 fags, please. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be brilliant because it was definitely, definitely a uh, hand behind your back when I got there. You know, um, not in a horrible way, in, in, a, in a kind of sensible way, but um, it's diff, diff, different to where we are. Yeah, I think we're two, at least at least two months in front of you to, to the point, like I say, some people don't even forgot all about it. The Taliban came and the COVID went. Yeah, yeah. And well, you, you, I was on holiday recently, the first little holiday we've had in, in ages. And um, around the kind of resort, there was you'd very easily notice the the in inverted commas the Brits, because mm. all the Brits were the ones that walked into the hotel, and then halfway into the middle of the hotel, they're there. Oh fuck it! I forgot me fucking. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Everybody else is walking in pre-masked, masked yeah. up like, you know, the Taliban. And, yeah. uh, you know, the Brits walk in and just go, oh, yeah, that fucking thing about the what, what fucking thing you put in your face. The other thing as well, let's, let's not forget, they're also walking around with, with their shirt off as well, which is a bang. Do Irishmen do that? Do they walk around pushing the fucking pram with their shirts off? No, have you seen our bellies, Terry? Um, I mean, really, we we don't do that sort of thing, you know. We're right up with your bellies. Don't worry about that. And I cannot stand it. It's uh, German men do it as well. I really don't like it. You could be walking down a normal street in Essex, and the sun is out, and there's a few shops around, and he's walking down the street and with his shirt off. And he sat maybe, maybe it's a kind of a colonial thing. Maybe the more powerful your country is, the more you feel you can show your belly. And the smaller your country, the, the more T-shirts you wear or something you see, like that. You don't like showy offy. Do you know what? It's funny. Uh, when I was over for, um, for uh, Madness there a few years ago, I mean, I can't work out time anymore. So it's about three years back before all this craziness. And I couldn't get back to the hotel. So I had this very sort of, should we say... Um, I should have had a pina colada with the shirt that I was wearing. And I had my glasses, which are prescription, but they were my sunglasses, right? So, of course, come the evening, I couldn't get back to the hotel room. So now it's dark. I'm walking around with sunglasses on and a pina colada shirt. And it's the first time ever from anyone in Ireland giving me any kind of a bit of hostility. Everyone's usually beautiful, right? But I was getting some looks and even people coming up to me going, I like your shirt, like that. I'm going, all right. And I said to Kevin, my mate there, I said, uh, what's, the, what's the problem? He, he went, you look a bit showy-offy. You look a bit showy-offy. People don't like show-offs here. And I was like, yeah. oh, I wasn't trying to show off. You know, I was just going to get back to the hotel. But that's the first time I've ever felt that coming from from the people of Ireland. Like, yeah, get the shirt off and get off your, get the glasses off, mate. Oh, yeah, like I'm borderline risque with this. This actually attracted three remarks today <laughs> in the office. Well, there we go. Three just like, they just go, uh, the shirt? Yeah, <laughs> they just said the, the shirt. Yeah, <laughs> the shirt. exactly. 
Yeah, show. exactly. Yeah, so come here. Was, that was funny. And have you done? So listen, have you done? Have you been gigging regularly then in England at, for the last whatever little while? Yeah, 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 mm. yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's back. It was all out. It was all outdoors, uh, which was good. Of course, then the weather's uh, bitterness. It's interesting to see the, de- the the demographic though. There's not, should we say, a lot of older people in there. Uh, okay. I think they are still a little bit a little bit wary of it all. Um, it's a lot more, should we say, our age and down. Yeah more sort of arrows group and down but the actual oldie oldies because yeah go, well, so you are you warmed up then if you like the, uh, terry are yes, you kind of wa- you're physically fit and ready I, am, I can't wait i'm i've i've just uh I've, I've gone from my whole love affair with stand-up has been like a marriage you know there's times we should have broken up really and then sort of got it back together but now since i was dictated to the fact that you are not going to be able to do this you know I'm like going, well, I'm going to do this until I can't walk now. So I've embraced it more than I've ever embraced it before. Um, I realized that, you know, we are conduits when we go on stage. You know, I, sometimes we forget that because of our egos go, I want to go well. I want everyone to love me. But actually, we're there to be a conduit to people's happiness for 20 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, you know, let's bring the fun. So, um, that's the, I'm in a, I'm in great shape. I'm in great yeah. shape. I'm being very creative on stage. That's the only place I can be creative, you know, because during the lockdown, there were people doing crazy films. I can't do that unless I'm getting up. I, as you've already said, I have to be up. I have to drop a thought in and then that thought becomes a whole, you know, a whole piece. For yeah. those of you out there that can't picture Terry, he has big eyes. And when he's on <laughs> stage, the eyes have eyeliner and he has a, he has a real clown's face. And I don't mean that in a kind of a pejorative yeah, way. Agree. It's a I big like open, nice. it's a big open face and you can yeah. see his emotions on his face. So, and he plays with that when he's on stage. So he almost communicates his, uh, let's say vulnerability when he's on stage. And that leads to titters yeah, of laughter already because you don't know if he knows what he's doing or if he's going to go where somewhere and what's going to happen next. It's very good what you just said there. That's bang on, bang on. Uh, Oh, well, thank you very much. You're, you're fit and ready and ready to go, uh, which means you're about three miles ahead of us because we're all shit, Terry. We haven't done anything in the last... I don't believe that. I don't believe that. You, and, and do you know what? Again, going back to the people of Ireland again, you know, your audiences aren't going to be uh, tooting their horn, if you know what I mean, as a really crap metaphor. They're going to be sitting there going like, in fact, the other day, I was just saying this earlier, do you know the difference I found driving from Belfast? As soon as I went from Belfast and came down to getting towards the south, and all, and all of a sudden it goes 72 miles, and you're going, oh, and then it goes 97 miles. You're going, what? And you go, oh, yeah, kilometers. <laughs> oh, I yeah. wonder what happened there. But then the whole mood changes. The whole driving mood changes. It's very weird how it all becomes very relaxed. That angry British thing is is gone, and the, the white number plates come, and everything relaxes. And to the, the point finger comes came, up. The little finger comes up above the wheel as yeah. if to say hello. Yes, it does. And I guarantee you this. On the way back from Dublin, uh, I got stuck at a toll. I tried to use my phone. Call stupid idiot, right? Can't use your phone to pay for the toll. Couldn't use my Apple Watch either. This guy's behind me. Now there's 10 cars behind me. Now, if we've been in Belfast, stroke Britain, stroke London, stroke, you know, Blackburn. It would have been bibbing and effing and jeffing and bah, bah. Not there. No, 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 no. Guy gets out of his car pops a coin in the slot and goes, have a nice day to me. The guy behind me <laughs> pays for my car. I'm like going, this place is amazing. So I think, you know, you're all going to be a little bit apprehensive and nervous and a little bit slow, but yeah, people love you. So you're going to be fine. Then. But also, um, Terry, look on the bright side as well. We are so ner- We're going to be so nervous as an audience 
watching you. Like we're going to be going, oh my god, this guy here's a comedian. They've been they've been co- comedying around the place. We haven't been an audience for years, so we're oh, a shit audience as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to make up for the fact that we're a shit <laughs> audience by just laughing outlandishly at everything from the moment you come on stage. Well, just- that's going to be that's going to be something else. I've also found out about on the twenty second that um, there's going to be shifting. Apparently, there's going to be a lot of shifting going on. And I was like, what? What is this shift? Shift? Shifting? <laughs> and then apparently it's snogging, isn't it? It's a lot of it snogging. Is. Sh- shifting is a kind of a euphemistic Irish word for for snogging. So it's the idea of people talk about getting the shift. So you get the shift. <laughs> So okay. it's it's something you receive. So did you get the shift? Okay. It's a bit like a parcel or something. I got the shift. Um, I suppose okay. it's like the equivalent in America of getting to second base or getting to third base when they talk right. in those okay. terms. Uh, getting the, the shift. shift. But it sounds very innocent, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got the shift. Yeah. Not the shaft, just the shift. No, no, the I, shaft yeah. is an entirely more aggressive. That um, is. Well, you, well, it is an aggressive term. And it also can mean that someone's just ripped you off for a lot of money. Yeah. yeah I've just yeah. been shafted. But come here, um, some of us, and I'm one of those people, Terry, we all like to say when over a drink, over a beer, you know, I played a bit of football in me time. I weren't half bad, I weren't. I had a cheeky little left foot, an educated left foot, and I was nippy and, you know, la, la. but actually you did play football, Terry, didn't you? And you played professional I football. And I, I would say exactly that. I was, I was good at it, like, but I weren't good enough. <laughs> I was, Go on, um, tell us about your career. You, you would want to say, you would want to say, wouldn't you, that I had a bad injury. That's what you would want to say. No, I played for Southend once upon a time. Ronnie Whelan's Barmy Army, of course. Okay. I had some good times with Ronnie. He's a good Ronnie Whelan was your manager, was he? He was. And I used to go and play, I used to go and play golf with Ronnie. And I'm terrible at golf. But I think Ronnie used to get me to come play golf because I was so bad. Because all I used to do is just turn around and just see him not being out of breathe with laughing. He'd be laughing so hard <laughs> and wheezing. And he'd go, go and play that shot again. And I'd be trying to hit the ball again. And he'd be away again. I remember one time we were on the 18th. He goes, like, he goes, I'd use a whatever on that. So I, anyway, I clumped it and I got hold of it. And I remember it just going and smacking right against the windows of the clubhouse. And he just lost, lost his, he's a very good man, Ronnie. That's, but I anyway, didn't know that. I, I didn't know that Ronnie Whelan was your manager at Southend. Wow, that's yeah, a great yeah, yeah. Irish can you, can you Can you do a Ronnie? Because he's got a kind of a an Irish stroke Liverpudlin. So he's yeah, got the he's, tears. He's kind, of got, he's kind of got this big, you know, uh, Liverpool accent. <laughs> you know, he started talking like uh, a Dubliner as well, you know. So he kind of, he kind of talks yeah. like that, you know, and a a bit high pitch, but you know, but the thing about it is, Terry, there's a kind of a relationship between the Dublin accent and the Liverpool accent, you know. Yes, of uh, there's a it bit is. of a crossover. And it's well, you know, the, the other one as well, which, which, uh, when you say to Jamaicans, they don't like it when you go, you, you say to Jamaicans that they sound like they're Irish because, of course, we know what happened there, sadly. missionaries. But- yeah, of course. So they're all they're all going um, Thursday, man. You know what I mean? And you're going. That's you're speaking like Irish people. And they go, no, we're not. We're speaking like Jamaicans. You go, you're not speaking like Irish people. You're totally but, um, right. They're not only speaking like Irish people. They're speaking like Cork and Kerry people. So it's, yes. it's the Cork and Kerry priests who went out and found themselves in Jamaica and started lending their voices to them. Like no, and there started that's go. a Cork voice. There no, and that's the it. Cork voice. There's a Cork voice there now, and now the Cork voice is becoming Jamaican there now. And uh, and you know it. The green, green grass of home. That's it, yeah. No, no. Well, absolutely. absolutely. Well spotted, Terry. Well spotted. So, Ronnie Um, Whelan and Southend United, and you were the goalkeeper. I played, yeah, I played for Southend, um, and uh, I was there till uh, I was uh, 18, just coming up to 18, and that that was it. I didn't didn't make the grade. I just wasn't good enough. Um, So, this wasn't the period when kids, this wasn't the period. So, you weren't on 30 grand a week, were you? 
Oh, no, no, no. It's on £25 a week on what we had over here called the YTS system. Yeah, yeah, I remember you, it, yeah. Then you, then you went on to £50 a week. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, and I just wasn't good enough. And I don't think people quite realise, even at that level, you've half got to be good to, uh, at football to, to, to play, you know. But it just wasn't good enough. But ironically, you know, going into things like, you know, London's burning and EastEnders and being the comedian, I, mm. I got to play in a lot of celebrity charity matches. So mm. I probably played him and on more pitches, great grounds, you know, be it Hillsborough or Goodison Park or any of these places. I would never have played as a professional goalkeeper. So ironically, I played at great grounds. Do you remember the dream team, Terry? Of course I remember the dream team, yeah. yeah. On Sky. You should have been in that as well. Yeah, I think it was too old. I think yeah. it was too old at that point. That uh, was hilarious. It's um, kind of yeah, a football soap opera. One of the guys actually ended up playing for South End for three games. He played for South End. <laughs> Is that right? And it was like, he was, but he was awful. You see, when you watch it on the telly, you go, oh, he's a good player. I can't yeah. believe he's not playing, you know. Yeah. And then he played and you're like, oh, he's not that good. It's quite funny when you watch Jez and Billy, you know, the, the um, you know, the, they started, they're big YouTubers now. Mm-hmm. They, they started with the the juggling the balls and all that stuff, and then they ended up playing in celebrity matches. and And Jezza's a flipping great footballer, mm. but it was incredible. It was interesting watching some old fat centre back who used to play for Swansea, uh, keeping him in his pocket. You know, those pros, even though they're nowhere as fast, they're nowhere as fit. They just know how to put them in their pocket and put these people to bed. It was it happened on several occasions. I thought, well, yeah. he's going to rip it up today against him. And then Do you know what they're great as well at Terry? I, I, because of my thing of doing impressions of Roy Keane and different footballers and stuff, I, I got to play in a couple of those games with you, like you. Um, not a, not kind of as high a level, more like just a knock around and uh, uh, whatever. But I remember playing against Mick McCarthy once and Mick McCarthy oh, had, wow. uh, and he'd, yeah. he'd well retired. And uh, But Mick McCarthy got the ball in the middle and uh, he just stood on the ball. And I remember, oh yeah, I'll just go over and take the ball off him. And the thing was, he didn't even move, but I couldn't get within five feet of Mick McCarthy because of his arse and his hands. So they just have these, uh, real soccer players know how to use their arse. They have huge arses which just push you away. (laughs) And you can't, you're trying to, I just want to get in and tackle you. And then their arse goes in your face and you just can't get near them. I remember doing a a gig once with Mick McCarthy because I I hate football dudes. You probably love them because you've got all the impressions and all that, but they they don't really suit me because they don't really want to, you know, I do a Chris Eubank, I suppose, but... um, Oh, I can and, almost uh, hear it in your voice already. And the uh, Jose as well, because I know you do it, Jose. Um, yeah. But um, I I uh, did a gig and Mick McCarthy was sitting in the front row. And I said, everyone, they're all here tonight. You know, I mean, that's in fact, even the way I do it is even me. You know, they're all here tonight. I said, Mick McCarthy, said, how are you, Mick? And he just looked at me and went, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said to me, fuck off. And I went, all right, okay. Um, <laughs> and you just go, oh God, this is troublesome, isn't it? Terry, Terry, it's hilarious. Do you know what? I did a gig for Liverpool and Mick McCarthy was there. And I'm I'm a Liverpool fan, so I gave it everything I have. And I I came in as Jurgen Klopp and I started doing huge energy around the room and they were were buying into it. But Mick McCarthy was at the front table and I started doing Roy Keane. And just before I started doing Roy Keane, he kind of went, fuck off, right? A bit like you. And I laid into him as Roy Keane, like laid into him. No, laid into him for about five minutes. But it took about five minutes before he broke a smile and then went, all right, you're all right. 
yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was yeah, it yeah. was painful to extract. I bet I, I bet I bet everyone was loving it though because of the whole Roy, Roy Keane and him bust up, and then you were giving it to him as Roy Keane. I bet it was fantastic. I'd love to have seen that. It was a good vibe in the room, all right. Um, but it was so great people that- there. There was Rush and Dog Leash there, and but John Barnes, Jesus, it was great, a great night. I bet it was. I, I, my, my, for me, of those gigs is like boxing. I do a lot of boxing, do so you know because I oh, do yeah. more boxing impressions. So, and I, uh, I remember having a having a, a a little bit of a thing with Nigel because Nigel always goes, "Go and do it, do it, do it." You know, go, go and do it, and I'll be going. Listen, I will say firstly to read the great question, you know, and 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 <laughs> and this good. one time, he started. Uh, he started uh, getting a bit angsty with me and I was sort of, you know, hosting this thing and I was like going, all right, okay, calm. And then he sort of jabbed me in the back. He gave me a little shot in the, in the kidney. Not, not hard, but a little shot across the bow, if you like. Literally across the bow. And um, I, I was like, right, fuck this. So I, I just went on one then. And it was this, I went, I'd said, no, no, this is what happened, Nigel. This is what happened, you know. And then he took a seat and I started doing him talking to Chris and thick Chris were saying, you know, Nigel Ben, oh, cannot beat me. He goes, listen, I will beat you anytime you want to fight me and all this shit. So I've gone on and on and the crowd are going mad. And the more I'm insulting Nigel through Chris Eubank, right? And then he gets up, a big round of applause, and he comes over and he cuddles me. And in my ear, he goes, if you fucking do that again, I will murder you. I will break you. <laughs> I will break you if you ever fucking do that again. Yeah. And then he turns around with this big smile to the audience and starts clapping me. <laughs> <laughs> I will break you. That's what he said. I thought you will. You're Nigel Ben, one of the greatest fighters of all time. Yes. I'm a fat, bald comedian from Essex, right? I'm sure you will break me. Yeah. It's, it's, when sportsmen turn their, their angry glare at you, it's quite intimidating. Do you don't do Tyson Fury or anything, do you? No, I do, he's dad more. <laughs> no one could beat my son, great fighter. But but he, Tyson that sounds like a little Tyson Fury inside a bigger Tyson Fury. Big Tyson, but Tyson's uh, got he's got that slight overbite, hasn't he? Yeah. Can you do Tyson? No, I don't really do the boxers. I'd love to because um, I think Tyson Fury is a wonderful character. But he hasn't kind of believe it or not, he wouldn't have. He hasn't, if you like, uh, permeated or penetrated the Irish culture that much. Um, oh, really? That's not really, yeah, not really. Like people, I mean, obviously people are big into McGregor over here, or at least a certain type. Oh, my cer- son is so into McGregor. And I keep saying yeah. to him, why, you know, the last fight he had when he, when he busts his leg about against Portier, mm. and he's most, this is what, this is two things in one here. This is like when you see a footballer get kicked in the, in the shin and they roll around. By firstly, I always think that hurlers, people who hurl can't watch soccer. Football. They can't watch it because they must just drive them mad going, look at this, you know, battering a hurler takes yeah, and they yeah. don't even bat an eyelid. They must just think, watch football and go, I can't watch this shit. Um, but there he is on the floor with his leg bent round like he'd been cobbled, you know, like thinking about, you know, uh, what's the blooming film where she's, uh, she, she hits him with a club, old, uh, old what's his name, Sonny from, from misery. Godfather. Misery. Yes, misery. His leg's gone Kathy right Bates. cobbled round that. That's it. Kathy Bates is it. Conor McGregor's leg. And he's sitting there like nothing's happened. But he's sitting there calling your man's wife a whore and stuff. And I'm going, Jesus, he's outrageous. He's like past sport. He's become a misogynist. But he's Trumpist. It's Trumpy. It's Trumpy. There's a very Trumpy vibe off him. Trumpy is very good. He's like a spoiled child. 
And do you know what the thing is? We were talking on, um, I was talking on a radio show the other day with uh, with Dermot and Dave, mm. and we were talking about different Dublin Dublin accents. And I mm. said, and said, then you've got the McGregor one, haven't you? Shut your mouth. I can only imagine that McGregor to people of Dublin is like me seeing a Cockney Londoner talking like that. You know what I mean? Talking like, oh, I'm from London. I talk like this because I'm from London. So I imagine <laughs> nobody, he's doing that. Nobody really nobody talks, talks like, like Conor McGregor. No, no, that's what I think. I'm right, aren't I, in saying it's it's just this over the top. He's basically... Mort. No, but he's... Hey, no, no, don't be fucking talking to me, Dirty Alderton. I will decapitate you and inhibit your brain until you are fucking de-shelled and desensitized. I am the fucking McGregor and Dr. Stoppage. Dr. Stoppage! This is what he was shouting when he was on the ground. That, that, that is exactly right. Exactly that Trumpy thing. You know, it's going to be the best. When Trump sees it, it's going to be the best. It's going to be... You've never seen, you've seen nothing like this. <laughs> they showed some old clips of Trump. Um, I was watching there back, and um, it was him when he he had uh, he got, he just got into the casinos, yep. and he had no idea about casinos. And he's young, you know, he's got that young that young face, and he's going. This is going to be these casinos are going to be amazing, the best casinos you've ever seen. And it's the same thing there. He's telling us that they're going to be they're going to be the best casinos, you know. And you're like going, he's took that into politics. We're, we're doing well. Our numbers are amazing, you know. Uh, your man over in in northern Korea loves me. He loves me. You know, we've got yeah. it all sorted out. And you're going, what? That's right. Conor McGregor, I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to win this fight. Then he loses the fight and he goes, I didn't lose the fight. I won the fight. <laughs> it's the same thing it's as exactly Biden. It's exactly true. And exactly, he's on the ground and he's on the ground with his broken leg and, and he cuts to your wife's a whore. I mean, it's quite incredible, isn't it? Where you're going, boom. Always the best mic drop, your wife's a whore, I have to say. Always the best <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> Just yeah, like- I'll do that. Can I have two pints of Carlin, please? And your wife's a whore. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I'll get Chris with a pickled egg as well, please. Yeah. Um, so, come here. Listen, one of the things I came across in your notes was, even though you were at South End and everything, and this was interesting as well, because I heard Roy Keane talking about a locker room banter uh, the other day. And uh, there was this guy who came to play for Manchester United called Desi Baker. And uh, Desi Baker was uh, in the locker room. And Peter Schmeichel... Um, uh, looked at him and he said, Oi, Irish, clean my boots. And uh, and Desi was going over to clean his boots and Keane stopped him and he went, Oi, Schmeichel, don't call him Irish. His name is Desi and clean your own fucking boots and, uh, and make your own fucking tea. So it was just that. But that's, of course, the culture of, of locker rooms. And I think you yes. experienced as well some, some of that kind of, well, shall we call it locker room banter? Isn't that right, Terry? I hate the word banter. Yeah. Banter, always, when I first heard the word banter, I, I thought that was the thing that Luke Skywalker fell off and then Han Solo cut it open and put him inside it to keep him warm. But I don't <laughs> think it's called a banter. But Or the thing that comes out the cage where Luke Skywalker sticks a bone in its mouth and then kills it. I didn't know if that was a banter, but it just sounds like something from Star Wars. But yes, you're correct. I didn't do very well with that. And I think when you get uh, a lot of stick from lads and uh, it's tantamount to bullying, if you are not a strong-skinned person like I wasn't, and you take that out onto the pitch because, of course, you lose your bottle, don't you? You completely lose your bottle Mm. uh, in the dressing room and out of the dressing room. So I wasn't one for that. I remember there there was a kid there called Neil Gray. He was another goalkeeper. And he had an enormous penis. Right. I'm talking (laughs) pornographic penis. Yeah. And the poor kid, I mean, it was like a disability in the fact that he, they all knew that he had these special condoms that he, he had to get for his, you know, for his, with his girlfriend, right? Right. So he couldn't just go to Boots and buy, buy these 
sheaths. <laughs> what a word that is, right? He yeah. couldn't just go and buy his French letters from Boots, right? And uh, the, the bastards, I remember they all went down his pockets because they knew one of his so-called mates has said that he's just gone and, you know, got this delivery of his condoms, you know, and he gets like five for about 400 quid, poor sod. And uh, they, the fuckers blew them all up, didn't they? they While well, he was in the shower, they blew them all up. Fuck. And they come out, and the poor said they're all blown. They're, and then they were like zeppelins, these things, right? And they just tied them all up. And, and then, of course, poor said, I could see him. It was like he was going to start to cry. I swear to you, you could see him just like, he'd been waiting for these condoms. You know, I don't know what his relationship with his girlfriend was, but obviously that was a no-go without or whatever. And I And he had, honestly... I, I, you couldn't not not look at his willy, right? It was stupidly big. And um, I just remember this kid's face, just like, they're all laughing and him just like, just putting his clothes on very quietly in the corner and drying his hair and saying not very much. And I just thought, wow, that's awful, isn't it? It's awful. Yeah. He's, he's been blessed with this great big pendulum, but actually it's the bane <laughs> of his life. And now what they've done is completely humiliated him in the dressing room. <laughs> I'll take that line from today definitely Terry he's been blessed with this pendulum that's a wonderful line actually (laughs) it's a proper turnout it's a proper turnout my dear son you are definitely you're so blessed with that pendulum of yours (laughs) and come here I I heard because I heard like for example Paul Scholes I don't know if you ever heard this and this is this is true Paul Scholes was put into a tumble dryer and they left him there and they turned the tumble dryer on uh, for about 20 seconds or something but uh, I know, I know, just, you know, that is awful, awful stuff. Well, well, but did but the something worst, happen to you? On, did sorry. stuff happen to you? Oh, yeah, it's terrible. The worst one was ever was when we were, there was me and another guy called Mickey Newell I went to school with. He was a man boy. You know what you got when you were like 13 and you're all like kids and then you've got this guy, Mickey, who's a who's man boy. You know, he's a, he's a man. Mm. No doubt he was the toughest kid in the year. Of course he was. And he and I were both playing at South End. And we went into the gym, which I went in not long ago, actually, and it's still terrible. Um, we went into this little gymnasium, which is between the dressing rooms in the ground, right, as a door. And we went in there to clean because, of course, that's when the YTS, you know, you were there to play football. But actually, you were cleaning the stands and painting. They would never do that now. and They're not allowed to. Um, and then, of course... It was it was under a stand, if this makes sense. So there's no windows. This is this horrible, damp sort of area and quite a large space. And then the lights went out, didn't they? And I, I thought, here we go. And I saw the door shut and everyone laughing. And they kicked the shit out of us. I mean, properly kicked the shit out of us. But what they did, it was like the old thing they used to do with the uh, in the army. They uh, shoeshined us. And if you don't know what that is, that's where no. they get loads of boot polish on brushes. And they stick it up your ass and up your balls and in your mouth. So all my mouth and my gums were bleeding. They mm. stick it in every, every orifice and they just boot polish you all over. And they just absolutely cover you in boot polish. And yeah. you can't get it off, of course. And uh, I just remember, I remember when the lights went out, I remember Mickey sort of going, ah, oh, fuckers like that, because he was a bit of a tough boy. But I wasn't. I was in tears. But I couldn't let that be shown, could I? And I and I remember just going in the shower, and then we're obviously trying to get it off us, and then they're throwing cold water at us, buckets of freezing cold water at us, and, and pissing themselves. And so that's the point where I would go. I, I didn't like that side of it. Maybe I'm a bit of a wuss, but that wasn't really for me. No, and I suppose, I suppose, in a world gone semi mad, that is probably one of the blessed reliefs, maybe that has pros- probably passed. 
if you like. Oh, I don't think that would that that kind of thing would never happen now. No, no, no. But that, no that's no. what I mean. So in a world no, gone right. mad where yeah. you know what? Billy and John, Billy and Jack are saying you can't do anything in this place anymore. You can't say anything. You can't do anything. But like that's thankfully one of the things that we're glad you can't do anymore. I mean, I think the rite of passage now in Manchester United is. You have to sing a song that's currently in the top 40 when you enter yeah, the dressing Yeah, that's what they do. If you join the club, you have to get on a chair and sing. Yeah, that's absolutely right. This podcast is proudly supported by our friends in Curry's PC World. Back to the chat. You Thank know, God you say that. that about you can't, you can't say anything and all that. Yeah. You know, I, I like what you say about LBC and whatever. I love it when you get some bloke coming on going, you know what? The thing is, if you're white and you're working class... You haven't got to say anymore, and the, and the yeah. presenter's going right. Okay, so what you what do you got to say? And they go, well, I'm just saying, if you're white and you're working class, you haven't got you haven't got a voice. And I'm I'm sitting in the car going, you're on the radio, mate. You're on the radio. You're on the radio. Tell us, tell us what you got. To, you're, go on, <laughs> but I've heard those very conversations class. with your man James O'Brien, where somebody is saying, I'm white, I'm middle, I'm white, and I'm working class, and I haven't got me say. And James James O'Brien is literally saying, Well, what do you want to say? I haven't got. Yeah, I've say got it. no say. <laughs> but what do you want to say? Though. Oh, it's say very it, funny. Say it. Just say it. You know, this is the thing I think where people get it wrong, when, especially with us being comedians as well. When people go, "Oh, you've had this said to you as well," I'm sure you can't say what you want to say anymore. And I say, I say what I want to say. I do say what I want to say, and I say when I want to say it. The thing about me is, I think I'm quite a decent person, so I'm not going to um, be spilling stuff that you might want to say because I will be like disgusted with what you want to say you know and but you can say it and you can let the world hang you out for it you know but don't ever think that you can't say you can say whatever you want it's ridiculous when people say well you can't say that anymore yes you can I was saying earlier on exactly yeah I was saying earlier on that I love the um I love the the nerviness of your routines and the tension that exists between you and the audience and it's a gentle it's an innocent tension and the one of the things talking about political correctness and you can't say anything was I just watched that little routine you did where you turn yourself upside down and you put your legs in the air and you have your two shoes talking to each other and the camera was focusing on the two shoes and you turned your two legs you turned your two feet into characters where they nodded each other and they talked to each other and your voice is coming from down below and obviously it's it's a gentle it's a gentle uh, nod to political correctness because one of the one of the feet is going on about that uh he went out with a he went out with a flip flop, and uh, the other foot tells him you can't say flip flop anymore. Well, that's what he is. No, but you can't say it. They're beach shoes. They're called beach, beach shoes. shoes. You can't say it. Shoes. I thought that was really brilliant. All right, love. I'm looking forward to the drive home tonight. What? I said I'm looking forward to the drive home tonight. You want to make you don't do nothing. You just sit there while I do all the accelerating and braking. You don't do nothing. <laughs> I heard you sneaking out last night. <laughs> I, I said I heard you sneaking out last night. Where did you go? Went out with a little flip-flop, didn't I? <laughs> what did you say? I said I went out with a little flip-flop. You can't say that! It's 2013! You can't call them flip-flops. You've got to call them beach shoes. Beach shoes! 
I don't understand. A lot of my friends are flip flops. <laughs> there you go again. It's beat show. <laughs> well, they say flip flop. Well, they can, can't they? Because they are flip flops. <laughs> Anyway, what does she look like? <laughs> well, you know, they all look the same, don't they? <laughs> but the punchline's a tipper, isn't it? Because he says, well, he goes, well, what, what, is, what does she look like? And he goes, well, you know, they all look, they all look the same, don't they? You know? yeah. And that's kind of the fun, the fingers up to what I'm saying. You can say what you say, because I've heard you all say it. I've heard you all say that they all look the same, you know? Um, uh, I, I think there's another thing I, I, I used to do, which I used to love doing this routine about saying that I can do a really good Mumbai accent. And the gag was the reason I can do a good Mumbai accent is because I've been having a lot of trouble with my, with my car insurance. Right. And then I go into this sort of a whole Asian thing. Uh, Cause I love watching the audience going, Oh no, this is a bit racist, isn't it? Right. But the thing is, what it all becomes, you need to see it really to get it. But I'm eventually bent right over and I'm having a full conversation with me with this guy who was called uh, Peter Peter um, Pan. And I'm like going, you're Peter Pan, you know. And he ends up doing the stand-up in the end. He ends up, starts doing the stand-up routine. And then he comes back to me and says, like, I'm dying on my arse. You'll have to save this. And the point being is that, you know, I say you don't understand me, you know, and he said, of course I do. I am you, you know, and then you start to realize that the whole thing is about uh, a mental, um, not bipolar so much, but a, a mental, um, an argument with inside yourself, this constant drama triangles that I don't just do with those two voices. Now I brought it to here, um, you know, and then I'd sing this song, which was really cheesy, but it was lovely about little boy dreams. And then we'd say goodbye to each other. And then I'd stand up and then I'd look at the audience and, I, and I'd just look at them in the eye and go, I, I don't think 20 milligrams is enough. <laughs> so, but it's probably one of my most favorite routines. And the reason yeah. I told you about that is because I love doing it because people straight away jump to the conclusion he's doing an Indian voice. Therefore, this has to be a racist routine. And it's, it's so not. It's so everything you're expecting it to be. It's completely the flip side on it. And it was, you uh, said you had a non-off. It sounds great. Yeah, it sounds. You said you had a kind of an on-off love affair with comedy. Um, when it's on, how good does it feel for you? Oh, it's the best, isn't it? You know, um, mm. you know what it's like. You do a good gig. You do a great gig. You come home right. The next day is fantastic, isn't it? You know, you do you do a bad gig, and then and then it's all terrible to the next gig. And the other thing is, you know, always the build-up. I'm not very good with the build-ups to the shows. That, I think, is the worst point. You know, the thing, oh, I've got a gig tomorrow. And, oh, no, that day, oh, no, I've got to go. I've got to have, I'm going to have a kip now. I've got to get in the car in a minute. I've got to drive to the gig, and I'm driving to the gig, and I see a point on the way to say I'm going to Birmingham, and then I see a roadside. I think, oh, God, in about five hours, I can't wait to see that sign again because I'm coming home. Yeah. You know, so I'm cutting to the journey home and wanting to just be a good gig. But, of course, when you're up there, and, 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 and there was a lovely observation you made about me, and it's very true with me, that because I've had two incarnations of myself, you know, I had the guy that was the clown and made people laugh because I know how to do it, right? And then there's the guy that I now am where it's a real soul-bearing exercise. And, and, and if I get the trust of the audience and they come in with me, it's a beautiful, beautiful feeling for everybody. It's a wonderful experience. It's quite zen without sounding like a complete wanker. Well, I have already just said that and I sound like a complete wanker. But, you know, it's a wonderful thing. And I've said many a time, and it's hard for us to say this as comedians, and you know that, Mario, but, you know, as you are, I'm very good at what I do. I'm very good at comedy. Uh, 
you may not like what I do, right? You may not find funny what I do, but technically I'm very good at what I do. So when you come in with me and you're on side with me, it's just a magical feeling. Hmm. You know, you've got three, 400 people sitting there and they're just in on you and you're in on them. Because I've always said that it's not just me. I know how to do it and I can do it well, but I need, I need you to come inside with me. Because if you don't, and that's fair enough. That's compl- I get why some people don't, but it's be- a beautiful, beautiful feeling when, when you know, when, when what the audience walk away with, with hopefully that sort of magical feeling. I am also walking away with the, with your vibe. You know, you the audience have given me a magical feeling for me to take away. So it's a beautiful. Well, please thing. don't be afraid of going all zen with me, Terry. I can easily trump that. Easily trump <laughs> that on, because, darling, on, when things go well, let's face it, it feels like it's universal love. It's communal yes. universal love yes. that instead of polarizing each other and being strangers, that suddenly we know something similar together and we are friends together and we are being there good go. together and we are Perfect. we are being gentle and we're being human together and yes. and we're laughing at things which are silly and aren't we silly and aren't you silly and isn't yes. it silly and that's what makes us the nicest types of human beings I think possible well, so I think also, believe me you can't get any more wanky than me Terry so don't even try <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you're, but you are you're absolutely right and I think the thing is you know the you, you know we, we can never bring what music brings you know you watch like Springsteen going off and the band are playing and he's he's milking it well we the unfortunate thing is comics we're good we're as good as that to be able to do that but our our art doesn't lend us to be able to do that if you that makes any sense at all and i think what you are saying is absolutely spot on and i think it's only comedians that can bring that out whereas certain musicians can only bring a certain thing out because of music. You know, we can bring a certain thing out as comedians, and I think you've just completely hit the nail on the head there. It's when everyone's going, aren't we silly? Aren't you silly? Aren't I silly? Aren't we having, aren't we having a great crack? You know, yeah. it's a wonderful feeling, that. It's a and really can- lovely feeling, and well put. The, 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 the dyslexia that you have, right? You have, you, yeah. you, you, is this true that you didn't read until your 20s? I met my friend Matt, uh, we were in a pantomime together and he suggested to me that I should get Mr. Men books and read the Mr. Men books. And I was like, shut up, we talk about Mr. Men books. Um, I then got Mr. Men books and, and, and taught myself to read. Um, believe it or not, I don't know why, but it's, they're just very thin and innocent and they're, they're just, uh, there's no pressure with, with them. They're for children. So what can they be but, you know, all right for someone who's 21? And I ended up using these uh, things and, and learning to read. I'm just looking at my son has just come in now, and he's uh, – he's uh, and mother's here too. Hold on one second. What, what do you want? I'm doing a podcast. That's all right. Okay, okay I'll see you around there. Okay. All right, cheerio. <laughs> Bye, everyone. She's putting her posh voice on. It's hilarious. Her phone She's voice. The brunt- oh poor, poor old Dee. She's the brunt of most of my stuff, bless her. She's the one who lives in a jar. Um, so uh, I learned to, yeah, using using Mister Men books. Mm. Uh, it sounds so funny now when I when I think about. It. But I what what I've learned to do is read now. I've learned I read a lot of books now. I read a lot, and I've learned to read. What I'm saying by that, I think that when people read, oops, I've knocked my mic around. Sorry. When you read, or when my wife reads, or people who read really well. You just read. You see the word and you read it, right? With me, you jump. Around. It wasn't jump around. I can't like words would be back to front, and you know I can't quite 
it's quite a hard thing for me to see. So what I've learned to do is I've learned to sh- I've learned to reshapes if that makes sense. So I know mm. shapes now. Yeah. Um, so I can read. I can break a word down. I can break if it's got you know syllables. I can break a word down like at like it used to be. But I, I see shapes. So what I've learned is to read shapes rather than read words. Mm. I think that's what it is. Mm. And and it's confidence as well. You know, we're not, when I think we're similar ages, when we were at school, I don't know about in Ireland, but you know, I was made to be an idiot. Stupid, he's an idiot. Mm. He needs to go to remedial classes. He's, he's thick. Thankfully now, schools are brilliant. They're not like that at all anymore, you know. Mm. But yeah, I was, I was, I remember Mr. Daniels, what an arsehole he was. He was an A1 arsehole, man. He, um, he knew I had struggled with reading. He knew my English teacher was trying to work with me and he was a geography teacher and he's a little bloke, right? And he was a little bloke from out sort of the sticks of, of Essex sort of Suffolk way where they say things like, uh, they say Tuesday and Molden. They wouldn't say Molden, they go Molden and they say Botox, not Botox, right? He was one of those kind of guys. And he said, uh, he said, right, he said, what I'm going to ask now, he says, uh, Terry, ruler under page, chapter five, we're going to read about crops, right? Ruler under, ruler under line, starting with crops, 1640, right? And I'm going, I, I said, I can't, I can't do that. So I, I, don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. He said, ruler under page, sorry, ruler under line, Terry, chapter six, got louder and louder like that. And, I, and anyway, I went, I went, crops were formulate form full formula stop there stop there well there we go boys and girls terry's on janet and john book three like that right and i just remember thinking wow wow he's an adult man i was like wow and i just i just shut the book and i remember standing up and getting my bag and he's going where do you think you're going i said i'm going that's where i'm going and i went home and i never forget it, it was a friday and i i went home and i and i I hid in the shed and my mum's, our neighbour, Anne, found me. She said, what are you doing in there? I said, oh, I've come home from school and I didn't give why or what for. But I remember that whole weekend just panicking that I was the one who was going to get into trouble. I was nah. going to get into trouble. All weekend I was thinking I'm going to get into trouble for walking out of school. Mm. Guess what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Nothing. Mm. That's what happened. Not a thing. Mm. Because he was too scared to go and tell that I'd walked out of class because I would have said why. It was incredible. And I mm. was only about 13, 14 at that point. Mm. And, you, you know, you're a child. And um, and I don't think, you know, teachers, as I say now, they're a lot more powerful, uh, better now, but they're powerful. They're powerful human beings, teachers. You know, they are really, you know, they, they shape us. You know, we are shaped by those experiences. And I truly was. So I think a lot of that comes out in my comedy, like that maybe that sort of attack you know, I'm like an attacking kind of bah, 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 before I get attacked, if that makes sense. Mm, mm, mm. Very interesting. So, very interesting. Um, Terry, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to um, I'm looking forward to hearing about your gigs in Galway and just seeing if, 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 if I'm hoping to. I don't even know if I'll get over there because I'm dying be good to if see you do, Mario. I'm dying Would to you see know a be good. If, but you know what? If you do get over, it'd be a great mm. crack if um, if you come to the Roshan Late Show and I'm I'm on. And then we'll, we'll get, you'd be great. Come up with me and we'll do some impressions and muck around and stuff. <laughs> I'd love that. I would love that. I would love that. I'll just say, um, I'll do something like I'll start doing a Jose Mourinho. And uh, I see, I've also got Jose here and you can come up and we'll do Jose's and you Or actually you could say, thing. is there any other Jose's in the crowd? Yes. Uh, yeah. There you go. And you go, yes, I'm here. Uh, uh, very, that's very nice of you. I was going <laughs> to say to you as well, when you're in Galway, right. Um, Cause you, I know you're, you're mad about the football. So, 
I don't know if you heard this story because you could you could tell them this in Galway because it is a true story and they probably react. Did you know yourself that the Saudis were going to buy Galway United? I didn't know that. No. Last two years ago, the Saudis were going to buy Galway United. So it would be worth throwing into your act. Just I've heard I heard Galway were going to be because Michael D Higgins, our president, was president of Galway United. So the I president of that. Ireland, who loves football was also president of Galway United. And the Saudis were going to come in and buy Galway United. And I did this sketch on the radio where we imagine what would happen. Galway United buy Messi, Ronaldo, Mbappe. They put Jose as, as, as and they win the Champions League 7-0 yeah, yeah, against yeah. Bayern Munich two years later. So but I suppose that, that, that would be the way in, though, wouldn't it? It'd have to be a Champions League thing unless they could convince the Irish Correct. people that we're, we're going to join the Premier League. No, no, no. You could be Champions League. You'd get in the Champions League and then win. That's but right, anyway, you get in the Champions League. But, yeah. set, but if mention that to your Galway audience. If you, I will, if you, if, I will if, do. Uh, because uh, they were they were nearly bought by the Saudis because it's topical with the old Newcastle and everything, you know. Um, listen, Terry, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You're such a sweet guy, such a such a oh, such a lovely um, gentleman, and thank you for taking the time to do it. And um, I really uh, want to wish you the very very best, um, in, on, not only in Galway but on all your uh, comedy gigs. And stay in love with it, please. And, yeah, we'll uh, and 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 keep enjoying bringing that that heart, that um, love to people that you that you love to bring. Um, okay. So thanks a million, Terry. Thank you for having me. I really really appreciate it. It's lovely. I tell you, go see this man in the Galway Comedy Festival between October twentieth and twenty second. You won't be disappointed. Um, just Google Galway Comedy Festival um, for uh, tickets, ticket information. Thanks a million for listening. Um, thanks for subscribing. Give us a rating. Give us a follow. All of it is for free. Um, contact me, mariorosenstock at gmail.com. Thanks a million to Curry's for their ongoing sponsorship and support of this podcast. Listen back to some previous shows. They're all um, on the list. Just have a flick through them. And I'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye bye. <laughs>